last week of September. Lynn Venhouse. My colleague is Carl the Intern Middleman. How Hello. are you, Carl? I am well. We will welcome our guests, Keith and Sarah from Arcadin Cinema and Bar. And then around minute nine, we'll talk about Kajillionaire. Then around minute 19, Enola Holmes. Around minute 26, Our Time Machine. Around minute 29, Agents of Chaos. Around minute 33, Public Trust. Around minute 35, The Artist's Wife and all the other movies that they didn't show us. Around minute 38, we'll talk about RBG. Around minute 42, the preview of The Glorias. And then around minute 52, Keith and Sarah will give us their picks of movies they've seen recently. How are you doing, Lynn? Good. I'm very blurry-eyed from watching four movies that aren't out yet yesterday. But how many of them opened this weekend? None. None. So you're working ahead. Yeah, for a change. Well, we have, I am. If you people only knew. (laughs) I know. It's hard to keep up because you would think that even with theaters not having so much content, all the indies are coming out and they, we have like five, six, seven movies a week if we want to. And, and now that people have opened up and are letting them happen on Apple Plus and Netflix and the Academy lacks their rules. We'll talk about some movies today that oh, that were going to open in theaters but opened up on Netflix instead. I know. And so we have a lot of streaming. We have Netflix, Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, Plus, Hulu. Walmart+. Plus. And all that. It's just... It's pa- just is Paramount+. Plus. Uh, CBS All Access is going to rebrand themselves as Paramount+. Plus. Ah. Uh-huh. And Amazon Prime. So it's quite the quite the ordeal. And then I am on a documentary nominating committee for the Critics' Choice Association. Oh, wow. I literally, oh, wow. well, I literally have watched about 70 documentaries in the past, what, six weeks? Yeah. So that's another reason. You need to see more movies. We yeah. also have guests. Yes, we and want you to heard talk about Keith our laughing. <laughs> yeah, we want to welcome Sorry. Uh, Keith and Sarah, who run Arcadin Cinema and Bar, and it's kind of open. Hi. Uh, a little bit. We our inside is not yet open or even really complete, but we are running movies on our back lot um, in conjunction with the Heavy Anchor, which is our neighbor bar so um you can get drinks at the heavy anchor come see movies out on our back lot socially distanced of course socially distanced yep we keep people you know six feet apart and um yeah but we we've been drawing pretty good crowds uh, about max for us which is really like 35 people with everybody socially distanced it's well, been pretty good from what i read in the I, I think i saw an article about you in the riverfront times about a year ago mm-hmm. yeah that's and, what i read too i put them on my radar uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys were gonna, that's that's probably what is going to be max inside anyway right uh pretty much yeah it would be about 35 to 40 inside anyway but so. it's a boutique it's uh, i know I, I know it's not like the same as an alamo draft house but it's the feel of a more intimate kind of place where film fans and filmophiles <laughs> yeah, yeah like they they ran harold lloyd's safety last mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, we when, just ran yeah when did you get a chance to see that and you find yourself staring at his gloved hands because you know he's missing fingers <laughs> <laughs> and uh they have an exciting event coming up this tuesday want to tell us about what you're going to do uh, this Tuesday, we are showing the presidential debate. Wow. Um, so that'll be an interesting uh, watch party. With um, commentary or no? <laughs> uh, not, well, I'm sure there will be commentary. I, I don't know that um, you can watch that and not, uh, 
you know, say a few words to yourself. But I, Daniel Dale's not coming in to do live fact checking. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you, do you know which? Uh, well, it, it will say it like if you're watching CNN, there might be some things on the crawl. If you're watching MSNBC, other things on the crawl. If you're watching Fox News, other things on the crawl. Are you going to have the C-SPAN version where there will be no crawl at all? Or? I was planning to do the C-SPAN version, but we may have to go with whatever has the best, the best stream. <laughs> yeah, um, so it's, uh, it'll be a little bit of an experiment because we haven't really streamed things out there so much. Just a little bit of pre-show stuff. Mostly we play off of a file or a Blu-ray. So. Well, you know. I bet there will be a lot of drinking that night. So I'm sure there will be a lot of drinking. <laughs> and Wednesday night, too, there will be a lot of drinking because we're doing our inaugural Drinkless Cage, which oh. is our, um, dr- it will be a handmade drinking game uh, with a Nicol- surprise Nicolas Cage movie. So we're doing one this month, and we'll do one at the end of October as well. So. There are so many Nicolas Cage movies. There are is very it, many. <laughs> is it going to be... <sighs> Well, for drinking, if you're going to do a drinking game, something like Face Off or... or yeah, we ne- can't promise it'll be a good Nicolas Cage movie, but we can promise Sorcerer's that uh, there will be plenty of opportunity to drink. So. They have uh, t-shirts oh. online with Nicolas Cage, you it know. Could be leaving Las Vegas, and every time he takes a drink, you take a drink. Which would yeah, be a problem. Have alcohol poisoning by the end of the, yeah, <laughs> the night. Yeah, I was going to say, have Uber ready, <laughs> ready to go. And your partner, Sarah, is here too. Hi, Sarah. Yes, hi. <laughs> she's here she's supporting but you, you, whose idea was this sarah um i guess keith came up with it uh a couple springs ago right before he left to go cover the jeonju film festival in korea yeah um for slant magazine keith also is a film critic um uh-huh. yeah. and he kind of came to me with this idea said he had kind of read a blueprint for a micro cinema um, and said, I think uh, we should try this out and do it. So that's kind of when things kicked off. And then last year, almost a year ago, we purchased the building um, in Bevo, um, right next door to the Heavy Anchor. It's within eyesight of the mill. We closed on the building days before we got married. <laughs> so that was a bit of an insane That was your week. honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, we had plans to renovate and uh, get things kicking off for the summer, but the, I picked up our building plans from the city or our building permit from the city around March 14th, and then I think it was the 17th when everything oh. shut down. <laughs> so we uh, we haven't been able to bring the inside uh, to fruition, but uh, operating outside has been really great this summer. So we couldn't have kind of asked for a better situation if we were going to have to be in this situation. Yeah, it's worked out a lot better than it maybe could have. <laughs> and and you know what? It's probably drawn you guys closer. To each other? Yes. <laughs> By necessity, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> you have to, well, a lot, you know, we're the only two employees of the business, yeah. so uh, yeah, we, and we do everything ourselves. You, you can't fire anybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that, that's, yeah, that's, really, that's difficult, yeah. Yeah, one thing about the pandemic is the resourcefulness, you know, that you have to have. Uh, I noticed, well, October's supposed to be more, it's supposed to be unusually warmer, well, so that's good news, that's there good you news go. for them. There well, you go. That's but what so, they're. So you were a fan of the Asian cinema. Uh, Jeonju was really just a um, opportunity that came up. I've been writing for SlantMagazine.com for like I don't know three or four years, and oh, occasionally we get invites to international festivals, and um, all expenses. Well, no, I shouldn't say all expenses paid, but 
free flight out there in hotel, which was very nice. That's, Although it was the middle seat the of an international flight, so not the uh, most <laughs> lavish. But yeah, that was that was a really cool opportunity. It's an international festival and um, in this small little kind of town in uh, Korea, about an hour and a half south of Seoul. So wow. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. The guy that's making the Kirkwood movie, and I interviewed him for like a couple hours, and I totally just blanked on his name right now. He is a big aficionado of Korean film, and oh, he cool, lived yeah. over there for a while. So that it's it's, it's interesting. K-pop is having a moment right now. <laughs> K-pop is big. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, interesting Korean film, and obviously Parasite just you mm-hmm. know won the Oscar last my year. My so. f- second favorite film. La- both of my favorite films last year were Asian. Because I I loved The Farewell, Mm, and I loved Parasite. And Parasite was number two. I liked – this is weird, but if you see my thing in the lens, uh, of the last decade, I had to write about Parasite because I think Parasite will hold up longer and better. But last year, in the moment, I thought Farewell was the best movie of last year because of what it was at its time. I think Parasite, people will grow – because, you know, once it won Best Picture – it's going to have a bigger audience. Mm-hmm. So Parasite will probably hold up better, but I still thought The Farewell was a sweet film. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, yeah, both. both both of my favorite films last year were Asian. Yeah. All right, let's talk right, about right. new releases. New films. The number one release right now is The Grifters. No, it's not called The Grifters, but it's the Hoosier version of The Grifters. <laughs> it's called Kajillionaire. And it is a surreal world, and I loved it. You loved it? I gave it a B plus. Okay, well, that means you liked it. Yeah. Okay, so it's from Miranda July. Uh, she wrote and directed this film, and basically there are four stars in it. You have the parents, played by Deborah Winger and Richard Jenkins. I was so happy to hear Deborah Winger's voice because that's an unmistakable voice. Well, that's the voice. only thing you could recognize about her from yes. anything because yes. she's she's – well, down on her luck is very kind. Uh, their daughter, Evan, Rachel Wood, and then Gina Rodriguez. And then everybody else is in and out of the film. And I would say there aren't any other major characters in the no, film. No, no. It's the family nucleus, and it's uh, con artists extraordinaire. Yeah, it's not. It, they're not good con artists either. No, but they just uh, earn enough to squeak by, and it's a very interesting sad. script. It is very sad. It is sad because Evan Rachel Wood, as we all know, is a beautiful woman and she oh. plays dorky and, and she has this horrible voice that she does the entire film. I know. And she's really dowdy and doesn't like to be touched. She's probably on the spectrum somewhere. Well, because she she didn't get that motherly well, that's, well, that is we, a main plot point. Yeah, uh, Miranda July came on the scene about 15 years ago with uh, me and you and everyone we know. And then she also did The Future. And she's also a writer. So she's she's been doing things uh, for a long time, but usually mostly on the indie scene. I would say this is probably uh, – but do you count this as a major release? I would, I would say it's more mainstream than her usual stuff. I became acquainted with her – I was an usher at the Sundance Film Festival in 2011, and the future played. Mm-hmm. So she was, she was, she's an indie darling, I would say. And she's married to Mike Mills, Academy Award nominated screenwriter. And so this movie is 
quirky and offbeat. Off, very, very offbeat. The usual buzzwords. But, quirky but, and offbeat. But usually when you're doing a film about the grifters, you think about you know, the grifters, or if you think about con men, you think about Rain Man, or you think about, like, usually in films, the con men are not, uh, they're usually doing well. That's why they're successful con men. This is a story about not so successful con men who are just getting by, and there are, they have weird circumstances in their lives, and they're getting by on not their smarts, but it, it's, in fact, I would say that it, they're getting by in spite of themselves. They're so immoral in terms of how they treat people and Ugh. how they get money. And that is upsetting. It is. And they live in a abandoned <laughs> No, they live, they live in a building that's adjacent to a soap factory. And part of the conditions of them living there at a reduced rent is that every day a couple times a day sometimes three times a day the bubbles overflow and make the building unsound unless they are there to scoop up the bubbles so several times during this building they during this film they have to rush back from where they are to go do their bubble duty which is just really weird. It is really weird. And how they survive. And uh, they meet Gina Rodriguez on a flight. Well, and they're, they're going to New York to scam the airline for losing their luggage. The, the, they need The MacGuffin through this whole thing is that they need $1,500 to pay for their back rent for the last three months. And so the whole movie, they've been trying to get $1,500. And she has this weird weird name her her name <laughs> in the building is old dolio and the reason that they named her old dolio is because there was a bum another grifter that they knew that was named dolio homeless old dolio who came into a whole bunch of money and they and won the lottery <laughs> and he won the lottery so robert and Teresa named her old dolio under the assumption that if they named him after her they he would leave some money for them in the will and he didn't. And he didn't. So she stuck with this name. She's so socially awkward, and she's 26, and somebody pays her to go to a parenting class. So she can get the – so she can make the uh, welfare. You you get – if you get the – if you get the yellow slip that say, that, that say you were present for a prenatal class, you get more money for welfare. And so they were going to cut her in on this. It's so – the, the story's convoluted. <laughs> it is, but it but where she goes with it is very interesting because it's sharp observations on loneliness and vulnerability and parenting, and it's done with a sense of humor, often. It, humor? I don't... It, black humor, I would yeah, say. Yeah, black humor, I would say. Just the way... Richard Jenkins is so smooth, and you know how mm -hmm. he just gets into a character. He's so smooth as this guy that would throw anybody under the bus at any time. Including his own family. Right. Without giving too much away. and But, they, but he's also a conspiracy theorist, so every time there's an earthquake... <laughs> the big one. This is it. We're all going to die. Don't touch anything. The man is the man is doing these earthquakes to control you. Kind of like the fluoride in the water, tin hat, whole weird vibe that just makes their uh, eccentricities a little more eccentric. 
and then Gina Rodriguez, I she I don't know if she's a grifter or not, or if she's just because she tries to get away from these idiots several times during the film. I think she's a person who's watched too much TV and she just wants some excitement in her life. And her mom buys a lot of things. She has a lot of things. <laughs> My mom buys things on QVC, buys two of them, and sends me one. Yes. And so her whole apartment is just filled with just knickknacks, all this, all this garbage uh, consumerism. And I think she just wants some excitement in life. Well, which and makes she, the grifters very envious and very awestruck of all the crap that she has in her apartment because they see they see dollar signs with that right and so they're always uh, they're always looking for a quick buck it won the audience award at sundance yes this is a this is another one of these films that has been sitting on the shelf and in january it was at sundance and i can see this is a very sundancey kind of we like this film Right. And I think the cast, I think it's one of the best ensembles uh, of the whole year. There are only four people in it. I know, but they're so good together. Okay. I'm just saying. I like the B plus. What'd you give it? Um, I don't do that. Yeah, you don't do it. I just, I, I either it. enjoyed it or I, I liked it for what it aspired to be. As, as I, I don't yeah. necessarily like the ending, even though the ending is exactly, nah, I don't know. Because you think one of two things is going to happen, and the one that you probably think is going to happen is probably going to happen it does it's it does get a little tedious but it's predictable but it's predictable but you hope the one you're predicting is not right because you know it's going to end one of two ways and and it's either and they even say that (laughs) they they give you foreshadowing it's going to happen this is either going to happen or this is going to happen and you are just like the characters in the film knowing exactly what's going to happen even though you don't want it to happen Right. I do think that with the recent movies that are more labyrinth in their, uh, like, tenet, and I'm thinking of ending things, and even to a certain extent the devil all the time, they have so many ways that your your mind has to work while watching these. You have to do this here, but it's a welcome daffiness. I didn't mind it so much, the, the little, you know, elements that are clearly mm-hmm. uh, just in there for wackiness. But it's weird and it's wonderful. Keith, Sarah, do you have any questions about the film that we can answer without giving anything away? Or do you think we've given too much away? No, I mean, it, I, I've, it's been on my radar and I've wanted to, I, I definitely do want to see it. I've liked uh, Miranda July's, the previous two films, um, quite a bit. This one sounds a little bit more, at least in terms of the plot, almost a little bit more straightforward than, more mainstream yeah well uh, me and you and everyone we know is that's that that aimed for mainstream right it's yeah i would say that it uh it does it's more complete i think if you don't know her at all mm-hmm. you'll still like uh be engaged by this film but if you know her you'll understand it well, Evan Rachel Wood was on Conan this week, and she is beautiful and delightful and just shows you how much she threw herself into the character that she's playing in this film. She is transformative in it because, you know, she's more known for right now Westworld playing Dolores. Mm-hmm. But she's been acting since she was a kid. Yes. All right. Let's move on to what's happening. They, they just dropped this film on Netflix last Wednesday, and this would have been an actual release in theaters and my wife says it is her favorite film 
of the year so far. Oh, wow. It is, we watched it with my wife and daughter. It's based on a uh, series of young adult novels. It's called Enola Holmes. Uh, Sir Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle wrote all these books about Sherlock Holmes and talked about his brother. But the author of this, uh, uh, Nancy Springer, wrote these things about Sherlock Holmes' younger sister, who is 20 years younger than Sherlock, and Mycroft makes an appearance. And then you, in the in the BBC one with Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch, you have both Holmes' parents alive. This one, you don't. You only have the mother, who's played by Helena Bonham Carter. And Sherlock Holmes is played by Henry Cavill. And you have... Enola Holmes, the younger sister, played by Millie Bobby Brown. So you have Bellatrix Lestrange, Superman, and Eleven all in the same film using their real voices. They're not trying to sound American at all. They're using their real British voices. And it is really cute. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, and uh, Sam Clavelin uh, from Hunger Games, Finnick. He plays Mycroft Holmes, and he does not look like Finnick from The Hunger Games anymore. He's been in a couple things this year. Well, Forget. and then uh, Lewis, so, Lewis so, Partridge is the uh, male boyfriend. He's he's eye candy. Oh, so um, so Henry Cavill is more than a plank of wood in this. Actually, he 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 plays Sherlock Holmes as all knowing, but Sherlock doesn't. It's not it's not about Sherlock. It's about Enola Holmes, and it's about how smartness in the family. Um, continues with the next generation but it is also taking place it's a period piece so it takes place in the 1800s in britain where the suffrage is happening and oh women's rights so, so that's good so we have a whole bunch of female empowerment today in movies i will say well but see that's that's the thing looking at at the lens from what's happening in the 1860s and you see how far women have advanced in the years past, but then you also see what what should have been and is still currently not necessarily a thing. So it's it's it is a woman empowerment film, girl power, and she she's playing sixteen. In the books, she's fourteen, and there is a series of books. This is the first book. There are more to be made, and Netflix was going to release this, and it would have been huge because Millie Bobby Brown is you know popular right now between Stranger Things. And so I think that I, it's number two in films right now on Netflix. So I hope that they continue to make uh, more like films a seri- like this. Like a series. That, I could see that. Like a, like a, a young adult heroine. Mm-hmm. And, but the mis- like with, when you're watching Holmes and the many versions, even like all the way back to Basil Rathbone or uh, – the PBS series or the BBC series uh, with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, there's always a mystery to solve and you're following it along with Sherlock. This one, the mystery is just that her mom has disappeared. So it, it's it's not life-threatening and it's not... Uh, the mystery is not the point of these stories. It's all about how a 16-year-old girl is getting around London and becoming a tech a detective on her own but if you realize in the 1860s she would have 16 year old she would have been getting ready to get married Does yeah it feel like an origin story um uh, yes and no because there are a lot of flashbacks to because if you're gonna book Helena Bottom Carter 
you're going to have a lot of story. And so sure. Helena Bottle Carter leaves her clues to let her daughter know that she's safe and that she's all right. Mm-hmm. And so you're figuring out these clues. Well, it's it's not a follow along. It's not a choose your own adventure. It's it, you are learning things. The origin story is the fact that we didn't know. Of all of the Sherlock Holmes stuff that we've known in the last 150 years, we never knew anything about a sister because, you know, they created her just for this. <laughs> but the fact that the Holmes family life, you, Lestrade is in this a little bit. And so Lestrade and Enola are saying, who knows Sherlock more? And Lestrade finds himself learning more about Sherlock that way. And it's little things like that. If you're a Sherlock Holmes fan, you will appreciate, except since it's PG-13, it's a children's film, they're not talking about his drug use, but mm-hmm. they're... <laughs> I was kind of, I was wondering about that, yeah. No, they they don't. Um, Cavill's Holmes is more amused by his sister, and and there are moments where he's really proud of her without, because Mycroft is her ward, since the mother is missing, and Mycroft, Mycroft never looks good in any of the versions of Holmes, and so... Mycroft is um, wants to send her off to finishing school because she needs to, you know, be finished and be married, and so that's a that's a whole thing. It's two hours and four minutes. I could have done less at the finishing school to tighten it up a little bit, but I th- in theaters this would have been a monster hit for the teenage people. Lynn, that's great to hear. <laughs> I have uh, the um, I like Nancy Drew stuff from you know my childhood. Yeah, but so. that's that's. This is a Nancy Drew kind of for the 21st century. Well, which is very good because they keep remaking Nancy Drew, but it's never it as good. It was just on the CW. Right, year. but it's never as good as when we were glued to the books when I was 60. So when Melissa Sue Anderson was uh, Nancy Drew on ABC? Uh, Pamela. Oh, Pamela Sue Anderson. Oh, so Melissa Sue was on Little House. Yes, but, uh, Sorry. you know, I had the old books from the 30s and the 40s and everything at our school library but anyway i'm just glad to see that for the 21st century because female empowerment is good and we're going to have lots of movies and my daughter now wants to read the enola holmes mysteries which is what you should be doing when something sparks you like this or or if you were a fan of the film already or the book series already i think this is a worthy addition and it did pop just on Netflix. I we didn't get any advance notice, and that's that's weird because something like this should be. Uh, our buddy Max didn't know anything about it, and he watched it yesterday, and he won't tell us what he's thought of it. No, he didn't. Uh, before I we get too far into this, Cajillionaire only opened in theaters, FYI. Right, but it will come to video on demand later. I All right, suppose. Lynn, what did you what did you else see? Well, I saw. Well, you want sentence. me to do? Want me? You, you want me to do the docs? Um, well, we can start with uh, our time machine, which is on PBS, uh, debuting on Monday in their POV uh, series. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago because I wasn't sure when it was coming out, and now PBS has announced that it is going to be coming out on their POV series starting Monday. But the weird thing about PBS is they leave it up to their local stations to decide when and where. I mean, the big stuff, like the Ken Burns stuff, they do. That's a national rollout. But little things like this, I don't know if Channel 9 is going to air it this week or not, but that that's up to but you. But you, you can get it on demand, PBS on demand. Yeah, so Our Time Machine is about, um, and, and I know we talked about this before, it's a documentary from a 
couple years ago about an opera director who is going through dementia and his son is a performance artist and he wants to do something. He, he writes a play with his father about a father who's losing his mind to dementia and it is very sweet and it is very, um, it takes place in Shanghai and Shanghai looks beautiful. I had, I had a friend, a friend of mine that works for Disney helped open up their park there. And I said, Oh my gosh, why didn't you tell me Shanghai was beautiful? And he said, Oh yeah, Shanghai is beautiful. But I spent most of my days, you know, working and not getting to see how beautiful Shanghai was. And they come to America to try to get funding because the Chinese government only backs you so far. And the artists need grants to do all these things. And it does have a little, uh, love story involved in it where the, artist young artist meets his future wife you that actually comes out of nowhere and it's really sweet and you see how dementia is we all know dementia is horrible and we know that losing your memory is an absolute tragedy but you have scenes like the one that i mentioned before where the the elder gentleman goes to the doctor to ask for drugs to help him finish his book and the doctor says I'm already giving you those drugs you're already maxed out and so it's just heartbreaking but it's also um, what's the word I'm looking for uplifting because it's still it's still there's still hope and it's it's not as sad as it could be (laughs) it's still sad but it's not it's it's leaves you on a positive note well that's good because i di- i saw one that i can't talk about really now till later dick johnson is dead which is about a man having dementia and that comes out next week on on we'll, netflix we'll talk about so it we'll week. talk about that next week um i saw several documentaries i saw agents of chaos okay now that isn't this a series it's four hours it's two-part documentary by alex gibney and we all know how good a documentarian he is uh it is very long it is alarming well isn't but stuff, not surprising but isn't it stuff we already know because i was talking to um well I, I don't want to say her name i was talking to a reporter from kmox yesterday and we were talking about this documentary and it's i she was talking about and she loved it but isn't it stuff we already mostly not necessarily no no i think they go more into depth about the gustifer 2.0 and i think they go more into the second part is where she said she really liked the british reporter yeah yeah and uh camille oh see now if i don't write these names down i don't uh, they just go out of my head but uh so it's two hours each two parts the first part is more about julian assange and wikileaks and how they created all these bots and troll a troll farm yes in, and, they, and they actually go into a troll farm. yes and it's very to me it was very fascinating it is dense if you're not a techie person but it's like I said, alarming, but not surprising. The second episode, however, it connects the dots with uh, quite a few Trump connections to Russia and that's, uh, personally that's, and professionally. And I think that's where it is. And it's obvious. That's got it's a different director. That's uh, Javier Alberto Botero. Right. And it's obvious that it's all Putin. It's not China or Iran. It is Putin. Uh, Margarita. Simon Yen? 
Yeah. Okay. So it is very political. And uh, it, of course. And it is very um, enlightening. Yes. But if you are so inclined, and I... It's not going to change anybody's mind. I, that's, that, is what I, that is what I was going to say. But it is. It's, I don't think anything would change anybody's mind. But at it's this more point. in depth. It's yes. more in depth. Yeah, it's 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 very meticulous in its research, and it's talking heads. How is it being released? It's on HBO. Uh, HBO. Uh, on HBO Max or uh, no? HBO? It's well, well. If you if you it's on. It was released on HBO on mm-hmm. the 23rd and the 24th. But if you have HBO Max, you will. It will show up. Okay. You you yeah. You get both of them and. Uh, Gibney, if you're not familiar with him, he did the Scientology documentary, Going Clear, which everybody's still talking about. And he won the Oscar for Taxi to the Dark Side. He did it. So he's got Emmys and Oscars. Hmm. He did a movie about Lance Armstrong after Lance Armstrong lied to him. (laughs) Well, he also did so many and so many different subjects. He did did Citizen K. And yeah. he did um, zero days about the um, Iran, the virus that the U.S. did against Iran's nuclear system. And, and he that did... was an interesting one because it's very technical, but he made it very approachable. And Well, he also did Enron Smartest Guys in the Room. Yeah. So yes, he, and, and, you, you've heard of the documentaries that he's done about corruption. Well, he's got one coming up at Showtime. I have the link. I have the early link. Kingdom of Silence. It's about the Khashoggi murder. Oh. oh, so I was going to watch that. Wasn't then, there wasn't I, there another Khashoggi documentary that was just out? Uh, or unless is, unless that's this it. Is, yeah, this is called Kingdom of Silence, and it's going to open on Showtime. I think in the next week or so. Yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't care if he's HBO or Showtime or <laughs> theatrical films. He just wants to get his stuff out there. Right, right. So that so that's it. And then another one which is available for free on YouTube called Public Trust: The Fight for America's Public Lands. And again. Alarming, but not surprising. Now that's the the that's the one where America's sliced up like a piece of cake. Yeah, and uh, it's a political expose and a love letter to our 640 millions of federal land that does not only include the national park system, but wildlife refuges and uh, other parts. And so there's a lot of conservationists. In this film, giving you the 411, there's native people, and uh, they concentrate on three sites, Bears Ear, Bears Ears Monument in Utah, Boundary Waters Canoe Area in Minnesota, which they want to make into copper mines. A Chilean company wants to uh, do that, and, uh, you know, the ecosystem would just be destroyed, and then... We have Arctic Wildlife Refuge, which is infringing on Native people land. And uh, the Utah legislators don't come off very good in this. This is executive produced by Robert Redford. Now, is he? does he narrate? Or? No, no. It's free on YouTube, and it is very well put together. A guy named David Garrett Byers did it, and it's got the journalist investigation uh, aspect to it and it's oh the cinematography is just beautiful showing all our land you know our beautiful country so there hmm. so what else did you see young lady um okay so that's free on youtube just go to youtube and it'll say public trust patagonia okay 
So that's it. I saw, um, I did not see everything I wanted to, so that happened. There's a movie that started at the Plaza Frontenac called The Artist's Wife. It is Bruce Dern, Lena Olin. It was made last year. Uh, Meadow Nee, she's an actress from O'Fallon, Illinois. She's in it. She's in the 30, she's in the two-minute preview at 33 seconds. I was like, that's Meadow Nee. So I wanted to go see her, but I didn't get to Plaza Frontenac this week. That would be my second time in a theater. And then I'm going to go to their theater this week. So I'm branching out a little bit more. Um, One of the movies that we... Um, We're not allowed to talk about. Well, we can. Okay. Uh, we can preview it, but we can't right. review it. Uh, we'll do that next week. But I will say there were three movies that opened this week, and they are in theaters or video on demand, and they were not made available to us. The Last Shift, which has Richard Jenkins in it. Again? Yes. And then, But then again, it, these movies were made two years ago. <laughs> right. And then I guess they're just trying to fill product. Uh, you know, and then Ava, which is video on demand, Jessica Chastain plays an assassin. It's got John Malkovich. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's got John Malkovich, Colin Farrell, and this got no publicity. Well, you know why? This would have, this would have come and gone in theaters. Right. I mean, it sounds like it, but you know, maybe it's the best B movie ever. And then there's one called Infidel and it's got Jim Caviezel. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of which, did you hear that Jim Caviezel said that Mel Gibson has written a uh, sequel to Passion of the Christ, and he's going to play it. Well, it's going to be called uh, Resurrection of the Christ because, you know, the first part's the Passion, and the next part is the Resurrection. And so it seems that they're going to do it. Oh, Matt! Oh, we well, just yes. heard from young Max Foisy. Yeah. Well, you know, my brain isn't as what it used to be. So, and he I enjoyed Enola Holmes, and immensely. I didn't watch. I didn't watch Twin Peaks. What? Yeah, I know. Okay, I watched three episodes of it. Okay, the first when they one got the to seven? the when they got to the uh, the dwarf part yes. and the thing. Then I then the, the, the red lodge. Uh, then I just. <laughs> I quit. Okay, fine. You know, okay, that's Frank. It's good. Of our <laughs> is actually going to be, we hope, reflective of the uh, the red room. Oh, yeah. A little bit with the floor, if we can <sighs> do it right. Yeah. So. Oh, that, very cool. And that was the whole opening of Twin Peaks: The Return was just a shot of the floor moving. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, I admire um, David, David Lynch, Lynch and, and he's I, great in it. And, and David Bowie and Cal. Mm-hmm. Mac- oh. I picked Mulholland Drive as my number one film from the the. 2000 decade so you know 2000 2010 but um i will say uh, you know i mean you gotta there's so many hours in the day mm-hmm. <laughs> hey i i watched twin peaks the return while i was doing a sleep study and they needed to keep me up for 14 hours before i could go to sleep for eight and so what did i do i watched twin peaks the return all the way through oh wow and it was I was because I was yelled at my by my cousin Pete that I hadn't seen it yet, and so I made sure that I did. And I was glad I did. I still think the ending is kind of a cop out, but <laughs> it's still great Lynch. Well, I want to mention that RBG documentary and on the basis of sex were re-released in theaters on Friday uh, by Focus Features and Magnolia Pictures. The doc is Magnolia and on the basis of sex is the narrative film by Focus Features with Felicity 
Jones and Army Hammer as our. Do you like him in that film? Yeah, he's okay. But he's not the focus. Uh, no. She no, thinks that Army the... Hammer is a plank of wood, which she is not correct about. <laughs> I kind of like Army Hammer. But I, I did see him live on stage in Broadway. And, and, and that, that changed stage, your mind. It changed my mind. Except I'm, for the fact uh, that wasn't on film. I don't know. <laughs> He's going to play Max to Winter. I don't know. I'm crossing <laughs> my fingers. Please, God, don't ha- don't suck. So, <laughs> you, anyway. You saw him on stage, and he could act in front of an yes, audience. Yes, and he could move, too. I was, like, really shocked. <laughs> so, he... Um, he played twins, I know, and and, and to, and to date, that. that's he is. That's where he got famous. No, he mm-hmm. was awesome on. No, he was on awesome on Reaper before that, where he played the devil's favorite son. Okay, well, we're not going to mention Lone Ranger. Well, no. <laughs> okay, we so um, no, uh, but I but I will mention. Speaking of Alicia Vikander, we will mention the Man from Uncle, where he and Caviezel were. I wanted a sequel to that. You movie. mean uh, Cav- Cavell? No, I was. Oh yeah, I meant uh, Henry Cavill. Oh yeah, no, not Jim Caviezel. <laughs> it was Henry yeah. Cavill. People that we've been talking about, the man from Uncle. I enjoyed that, and I wanted a second one, and I, I know why it flopped, but I really would have enjoyed another one because I thought, much like, hold on, you're gonna hear something odd, much like, the Green Lantern, was not good. The second one would have been amazing, and then they would have looked at the first one in a whole different light. But it, yeah. it didn't happen that way. Well, the, the, way they were, our... the way they were leading into a second Green Lantern movie would have been great. All right. Okay, Off so um, RBG uh, is, was the first woman to lie in state in the Capitol this week. And, and the, the first, first Jewish, Jewish American. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in light of her um, American history status, they released the documentary, which is wonderful. And well, CNN showed so it the, the other day. And then, well, yeah, it's a CNN film. Mm-hmm. But they showed, it for, showed the it for free. Fiction. <laughs> so AMC, lo- locally, it's at AMC Theaters. Mm-hmm. However, if you have Hulu, you can watch the doc. If you have Showtime, well, you no. can watch On the Basis of Well, sex. I'm saying if you have CNN On Demand, you can just Right. Watch it also. So there's those. And then. So if, if you have Showtime on demand, you can watch On the uh-huh. Basis of Sex. Yeah. So I don't have to go in my basement and dig out my screeners. No, no, <laughs> no. I remember not being as. Because I love the documentary so much. I remember it not being as. It was weird that they came, they came out close together. Yeah. And one was good and one you did not care for. Right. Because 2018 was the release of the doc. And that was all about when, you know, and she that's, became that's, this pop culture well, she notorious was her, RBG. Well, that's because she was doing her workout routine, and that's yeah. where everybody glommed onto that. And then uh, on the basis of sex, I thought it would be better as a narrative film. But it is, it is, is was groundbreaking. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was. It's that first case. It's her. First, it's the first gender equality case before the Supreme Court, and it was a man. And she won six out of seven when she spoke in front of the Supreme Court. Right. So it shows how she, when she was at Harvard, how they treated the ladies so horribly and, you know, like you're filling the seat of a man. Everything you've heard in the last week, this is two hours of that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is uh, really remarkable. And so we have a film about another groundbreaking woman, Gloria Steinem, that's going to start on Amazon Prime Wednesday, on Wednesday, September 30th. And I watched all two hours and 27 minutes last night. 
and we can't say much. It is not embargoed, but they suggested it, they uh, September twenty eighth. <laughs> okay, so how long is it? Two twenty eight. Two twenty seven. Two twenty seven. Guess what? The you can skip the first thirty minutes because oh, it's awful. It is. It's nonlinear. It's not. Well, and no, it has that's, four, not, that's uh, not true. As I was as I was telling Sarah and Keith a sec uh, before we got here, um, it's nonlinear until it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. They did, she kind of just like throws that out in the middle of the movie, and then it is a narrative timeline. But it is. It's directed by Julie Taymor, who did The Lion King on Broadway and Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Which I actually liked. Well, it, it, it was te- – I hear it was te- technically Tec- beautiful. Right. Except it was it was a cursed production. That's what it was. And right. That's why, and that's why it didn't do well on Broadway. But she takes some of the things that she uses in her stage productions and tries to translate them on screen. And she has done theatrical production on screen before. But the things do not work in this. There are five different people that play Gloria Steinem, including Gloria Steinem, including Julianne Moore, who looks exactly like her. Amazing. It's it, it's so uncanny, but the then resemblance. Al- then Alicia Vikander, she, talks like this. she tries to talk like Gloria Steinem, which makes you think she kind of looks like her, but she doesn't. And then the uh, girl... Lucy, uh, it's Lulu Wilson. Lulu Wilson from Annabelle Creation plays the uh, teenage version, and that is where the movie. Once the tap dancing scene starts, then the movie starts to get a lot better. And that tap dancing scene is beautifully shot. It is. It's probably the best scene in the film. Uh, the the first I I clock this. Uh, the first twenty three <laughs> minutes are Suck. traveling. Suck. Oh, so did you? They're see, on a bus a lot. They're they're on a bus because they're taking their their life journey, but yeah. then but then the life journey ends with everybody wearing pussy hats. Yeah, well, that's when they end. But they have um, they they jump around like her. the The article that put her on the map when she went undercover as a Playboy bunny. I and I said, oh, the, I I everyone is familiar. If they know anything about Gloria Steinem and her history, they know about the Playboy article. Right. And that was, I looked up all these dates so we could mention them because they don't seem to... <laughs> because they uh, don't tell you what years... No, no, they don't. That was 1963. But it's based on her book. Yeah. It's, the book is called uh, uh, on the, uh, the Li- My Life on the Road, and it was from 2015. It briefly, briefly touches on her marriage to David Bale, who is the father of Christian Bale. But she's not the mother of Christian Bale. No, no, no. She was just his stepmom. Because Gloria Gloria Steinem didn't get married till she was 66. And then he died in uh, 2003, so the marriage only lasted. They barely mention it. Yeah, they... um, they were only married three years, but she's telling the woman on her deathbed well, they show about how she, yeah, about how, yeah, and how much she misses him and everything, but they don't really get into that. And uh, the supporting players are very good. Uh, Bette Midler as okay. Bella Abzug. Now, Bette Midler, they have her, like, she's above the, she's, she's above the title. She doesn't show up till halfway through the film. Right. And she plays the famous New York legislator. Right. Uh, that, but Janelle Monet is, first of all, you expect more of Janelle Monet. She's only in for maybe 15 minutes. And you don't really know the time period of this. And they don't really say, then, uh, they say, they don't really say their names either. They don't? They if don't. you don't know the history, you're like, because they say, hey, this is so-and-so. But then that's it. 
and they don't refer to them, hey, Sally. They don't say their names at all. And you're like, oh, so you get kind of get lost. Because there was a character they were talking about, the woman they were, they were fighting with at the uh, convention. Betty Friedan. Yeah, but they don't... They, they don't give you context. They don't. I was like, I didn't know this. And they do show Phyllis Schlafly for like a brief Yeah, but part. that is archival footage. That's actually Phyllis right. Schlafly. Right. They have quite quite a few. Um, they use, boy, Harry Reasoner must, must have been such an ass. And I can't even believe. He was doing an ABC commentary. And I can't but, even believe they paired Barbara Walters with him <laughs> as the first female anchor. Because you know that was But you know bad. once he got to 60 Minutes, he was a much more... Um, enlightened gentleman. <laughs> yeah, and then David Susskind. They have this fantasy sequence that's Ugh. horrible. She's always interviewed by these guys who are so male chauvinist and sexist, and it's awful. And <laughs> I, and I, then I, they turn into these fantasy sequences. I compared it to The Wizard of Oz. It was. It was like you had the wood, the witch on the broomstick, and you're like. What? Come on. What is going on here? Come so they on, waste man. a lot of time. The um, When she has the abortion, it's 1957. Did you have any idea that that was it? Because she was no. 22. Well, because no, she, she was engaged and she was going off to India, so she called off the engagement. But on the plane ride, she finds out she's pregnant. She's throwing up. So yeah. she finds an abortionist in London. And they. it's a, it's a major part of the film but they don't give you any context for any of this. And you, we didn't even mention Timothy Hutton as her dad. Yeah. The, he, you don't get context for that either. No. He, uh, I, I had, after the movie, I had to read about her to figure it out. <laughs> that is not a good sign. And you know that always pisses me off when you have to go to a second source. The movie, to be a good film, should one, it should make you want to find out more about the subject, but not to clarify what you just saw. And that is the problem with the Glorias. Right. Because when they get to the political caucus, it's 1977. And yeah, they skip. They, okay, they talk about—I know we're not reviewing. We're just previewing it. But what upset me is, like, hey, abortion rights now, abortions right now. And then they skip to 1977. And I said, well, well they won. <laughs> they won. And they don't even talk about it. They don't talk about abortion rights anything after that. No, they don't. Because and, they go from 1970 when they're talking about R.V. Wade— and then they go to 77 and they don't say, well, by the way, the Supreme Court in 73, they don't talk about that at all. It's, it's just so frustrating. I My know. question was, is it at least visually appealing? Because no. Julie Tamor's films, I said, like Frida and Titus, are very oh, eye-popping and colorful. Um, is it at least on the visual level? It's sloppy. Hmm. The it's, production it's, values are sloppy. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's on the microphone, Lynn. I don't know how to describe it. It's trying to be historically accurate, mm. but without... But fantasy. But more fantasy. But Frida... Okay, speaking of Frida, you and I talked about this the other day. Frida is a well-done documentary because it's straightforward and it is A, B, C, D. And she doesn't have any of that gimmicky crap in it. No, she. they, they don't need the gimmicks in this. I think it was strong enough to not have the gimmicks and when she has uh, there's all these side conversations like people are telling to herself <laughs> yeah which besides is, that which is really the, fi weird. the five actresses get together and they talk well gloria steinem doesn't come on till the very end but right. the other four actresses are talking to themselves well you should have said this i will say it later and uh it's just 
It's all about what it could have, should have. Yeah, it's all about what she didn't say and she wished she said. And it's all this blatant sexism and discrimination. The newsroom scenes are the best. They are because, but that is also something that we've seen before, right? But it it reinforces. But but this is true to me because I was in college. I was in college when Ms. Magazine started December nineteen seventy one, and I went to college September seventy two. So of course I was a subscriber. To Ms. Magazine, but it, it influenced like we stand on the giants, uh, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants of these people, and therefore people don't. A lot of people don't realize how bad it was for women. Like get the coffee, uh, get the mail, meet me at the hotel, that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, people people nowadays uh, just assume that you know these workplaces just became integrated and uh women were treated the same as guys and that is not the case no and we're not reviewing the film we're just telling you. yeah we're just telling you highlights but i think you have to see it you it's two and a half hours it doesn't need to be two and a half hours no and i you know i i have always liked timothy hutton and I he's playing such a sad sack. It's actually he could he'd be friends with the Kajillionaire people. Well, that's his ex-wife, Deborah Winger. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I um, he badly overacts the first half hour. I think because Dad's yeah. a sad sack and he just wants to do right, but he's he loves the grifting so much. But the the said but Hart Dad was really like that. I mean, so he captures. The dad really well. And then the and mother put, was just, oh, that's such a sad story. But that influenced Gloria's life. Yes, it did. All right. Okay. So, well, we have a couple minutes left. Yeah. I want to ask Keith and Sarah if they have seen any recent films, because I know there aren't really recent films, but yeah. is there anything that has caught your attention that you want to bring up to people? Well, I'm not sure if you guys have talked about these in the past, um, but last month we showed um, a couple of new releases. Mm-hmm. Um, at the back lot, we showed um, Bloody Nose Empty Pockets. No. Um, we did not. What, what, tell us about that. Bloody Nose Empty Pockets. Uh, it's a great, uh, it's by the Ross Brothers, and it's portrayed as a documentary, except that it's, it's, not. it's a lot more complicated than that. It's sort of like a long improv exercise sort yeah, of but much more um captivating than that might sound but it sat at a bar in las vegas on the last day of its operation oh yes 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 and this, so it it's was, a dive bar yeah it's a yes, total yes, yes. dive bar i, I, I did tiny see the, little place i and, saw the preview for this and they went around a local bar they actually filmed it in new orleans they went around to local bars and basically cast the kind of people that just hang out in bars and it's just perfect types it's got a there's a lot of overlapping dialogue. It's kind of like a Robert Altman film, uh-huh. but in a documentary style. The, and it's just a, it's the perfect, like, image of a dive bar and the kind of people you meet who just spend their lives hanging out in a dark dive bar. And it's sad And it's set out like, like the last week it's going to be open. The, the, the very the last, last day. day. Okay, and yeah. it was filmed over an epic, like, 14-hour filming session. And they probably so all just got drunk. And they, they did get drunk. Yeah. And they had cars <laughs> for the cast and everything to, like, drive them away. I mean, you don't see that in the movie. But, no. Um, but, yeah, so people are getting legitimately drunk and people are having Yay. somewhat real, you know, interactions. Mm-hmm. And part of it is kind of trying to parse, you know, what's real and what's not. Uh, but it's just a really... Fun. Funny and also does get kind of sad movie, but it's it's like 
-hmm. also a perfect image of the kinds of places that we can't hang out in right yes. now. You right. Know, exactly. It's just a dive bar where everybody's or packed like, in there. Like, like my dive bar, Cousin Hugo's, closed after 82 years in Maplewood. Uh, yeah, Sad. exactly. Yeah, so... Um, so that was a, a good one we showed. We also showed um, We Are Little Zombies. Ooh, um, uh, Stockman talked about that. Oh, yeah. great. Okay. Yeah, it's a yeah, Japanese film about these kids whose parents have died, and they bond over kind of the fact that they don't have a lot of emotions about it. They don't have... Hence right. the zombie. Right. Yeah. There's not actual zombies. They're not there zombies. No They're... <laughs> They There's are uh, mentally zombies. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There is one scene where they do kind of a jokey oh, subway true. zombie thing, but <laughs> uh, but mostly, but it's done in a, a very visually mm -hmm. stunning style. Every shot's kind of got something going on with it. It draws a lot from video games and like old like Game Boy type mm -hmm. games for oh. for the shots and aesthetics. And they form a band at one point. And the band kind of incorporates like video game 8-bit sounds yeah. awesome do, 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 yes do. exactly yep. and so and the songs are really good the, yeah. they have like uh three songs they do in the movie and they're they're all really good so it's um it's kind of about them finding you know ways to express emotion feel emotion uh but it's done in a way that is very current very kind of 21st century mm -hmm. in the way that everything's processed through things we're watching things we're listening to video games that kind of thing so awesome. it's um it's a really cool uh really cool little movie. It was this guy's uh the director I is a Japanese name that I can't remember off the top of my head, <laughs> but um he it's his first film after doing some music videos and you can certainly see that he yeah. has drawn the from influences his, his music video background. Where can people find you? Lynn, no one can hear you. Oh. Where can people <laughs> find I'm sorry, where can people find you find out what films you're showing? Um, we're very active on social media, so um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of those outlets. Um, you, you can just follow Arcaden Cinema and Bar. Can, all right, spell it out so people. Sure, know. it's A R K A D I N. Arcaden. It comes from an old Orson Welles movie, one of his more obscure ones. So, I am so sorry I mispronounced it. Oh, oh, it's okay. Everybody, everybody does. does. <laughs> uh, that was something That's you probably of, should have thought about when we named that. That's part of the the. Um, quirkiness about it exactly, that, that no yeah. one can say it correctly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, and then, because I travel Gravoy a lot, I saw the heavy anchor there, and I thought, well, that is so convenient. They have a partner bar right there. And you guys, it's a, it's you know, my, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, and you guys are both helping each other out because that's drawing people in to sell alcohol. And yeah, you know. <laughs> it, it's a totally right now. It's a perfectly mutually beneficial relationship. We're symbiotic kind of, yes exactly and people actually right now you would enter through the heavy anchor and go through the back and like kind of go through their patio and then our space is is kind of through the gate so mm -hmm. um yeah so it, it's totally we're we're operating together right now oh i i just looked this up uh we are little zombies uh rinko kikuchi's in the film uh -uh. Okay. from babel she, okay. she was like the first japanese american i didn't even realize that that's interesting first japanese actress to be nominated for uh, an academy award in like 50 years wow very good well listen uh i know we have to wrap up because carl's got to get i've got to, to, uh, I've got uh, to his you know, uh, other job and uh be but on the radio the, um snl opens October 3rd with Chris Rock as the host for the 46th season. And Megan the Stallion is the musical guest. Right. And, and th that coincides with Fargo season four. Yes, because that opens tonight, uh, s uh, September 27th. I cannot wait. Were you a fan of the 
the first. I have only watched the first season of it. Okay, uh, Lynn likes season one and two, but not three. Mm, not three. Mm, I'm I've, not a big fan. But and I've I, I've read a lot of reviews about season four, and they are mixed. Mm. Which I can imagine because you know it's. It's Fargo. But it's also different because it's based in Kansas City, and it's all about the African Americans versus the Italians, which is not really the story of Fargo. <laughs> right. Well, after the Emmys, the Schitt's Creek now has become... Uh, I have the, now the, watched the, the first season and a half because my wife's like, let's watch the Schitt's Creek. Well, now it's, it's being more uh, accessible. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, the final season will be on Netflix October seventh. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for because we've watched it. Yeah, but you, if you have, it. if you have so pop, you can. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it's been kind of a. It was for a while kind of one of those shows that we just put on kind of as we're sitting around and kind of playing almost in the background sometimes. So, yeah, I we definitely enjoyed it a lot. Yes. Yeah. Dan Levy is his hilarious. He's really funny. Yeah. Well, it's it surprised me because I know I knew about the LBGQ plus storyline that was going on and so the first season surprised me that he and Stevie got together I'm like wait right. a minute, wait a minute and then then you get Eugene Levy saying oh he's pansexual he'll sleep with anybody mm -hmm. so I that made a lot more sense I wish they would have introduced that before I was shocked but if you were watching it you know five years ago when it came out in 2015 you were watching it week by week by week, but now everyone's watching all five seasons at once, right. like, like I'm doing. My wife's like, they're only 21 minutes apiece. Let's watch two more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, 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 The Boys in the Band it starts on Netflix on uh, Wednesday. Is this the and third time this has been made? This is the the revival, the Broadway play oh, okay, revival. Okay, okay. It is that cast, Matt Bomer, mm -hmm. Zachary Quinto, Jim Parsons. All famous uh, gay people. Mm-hmm. All right, so okay. Lynn, where can we find you on social media? I am uh, on KTRS every Thursday night with Ray Hartman in the 10.30 half hour, and uh, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes. And I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times, which be is rebooted its woo woo. print edition Friday. Yay. And, oh, I wonder um, if there was anybody that owns a local. Oh, but that's not in Kirkwood or Webster, but that doesn't matter. You can still write an article about them. Yeah, I know. And then I have my own website, uh, poplifestl.com, which is definitely a work in progress, especially after my computer. Yes. And my name is Carl, the intern middleman. You can find me on the Intercom family of radio stations and at underscore Carl, the intern on Twitter and Instagram. And I actually posted something this week. Sorry. And so follow... Um, you say it. Arcaden. Arcaden. Arcaden, Arcaden, Arcaden. And it's <laughs> right there in thing. South City, which Arcaden. is a wonderful. We are all, uh, Carl lives in South City. I'm too. a St. Louis Hills person. Oh, great. Yeah, so we are all such South City fans. So support local. And thank you for joining us. Bye bye. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming in. Bye bye. <laughs>